Welcome back. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back to the Primordial Dao Present Dao podcast. This is part two of episode eight, bringing the unconscious into consciousness. Let's jump back in. Um, from your perspective, um, is, is there a reason why some people have very strict and very like kind of locked in identity structures that are very rigid, um, whereas others maybe don't? Is Would that be just a function of uh, kind of your upbringing and the traditions that you were exposed to growing up? Or is there is there other factors? Well, if I was to make that scale... Uh, like a ruler, you know, if zeros in the middle and negatives on one side and positives on the other or something like that. Um, if a really defined big castle identity structure is on one end and a complete lack of structure is on the other, both of those are going in the direction of insanity. And I mean that from a clinical point of view, right? Like if a person is just like, they, they cannot form any kind of structure, they cannot form any kind of identity, they're playfully loose and, and, and free and unwilling to, to connect anything about them as a self, well, that's not good for people either because you, 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 you it's kind of like you have to, to build it and then take it apart to understand how to be a person and have empathy and compassion for people that are going through any part of that process right? If, if it's all one or all the other, that usually means, you know, a person is just completely like vibrating at such an intense state of panic or I'll show you by being completely non, you know, structured in their behavior in any way. Um, those are usually just profound states of, uh, disorientation, either fear or mania. So I wouldn't, you know, I guess I wouldn't put either one of them as like optimal. <laughs> but the journey of moving back and forth between, okay, I have a job, I have to dress a certain way, I have to know certain things, I have to apply myself a certain amount, that's process, but it also defines your behavior a bit. But it can also be uh, the nine to five you, and then there's a slightly different, you know, go to the beach and surf you. They're not all opposing each other they're just you know hats we wear right and then it's partially identity partially you know just getting through modern adulthood but we're speaking about this in a slightly different way because the context of our conversation you know it's about uh, meditation Taoist practice qigong you know shamanic practice indigenous practice where this path of moving from unconsciousness to consciousness from four layers of paint to a lot less paint is meant to be a practicable, accessible sequence of becoming something and then becomes becoming something else and then becoming something else and deciding to stick with the becoming instead of the something. So that's like that saying of like um, enjoying the journey, not the destination. Yeah. And you so it, it doesn't matter what we become or what we don't or what we let go of or 
but we don't, it's more of the path of moving forward, I guess. Well, I think that the, the, the conversation that what we're speaking to right now, I think maybe if I was to just wanting to be really clear, let's say we're all we're walking in the direction of paint works. I want to have you many, say paint, you say paint wars, paint works, egos work, paint works, identity okay. structures, castles work. So give me a lot of cans of spray paint. I'm going to keep one in each fist so that I can point it at everybody and point it at my own little bubble. So I'm always operationally just doing the identity structure thing, adding to everyone else, adding to me, <clears throat> keeping the paint dance going. And then we're walking in that direction. And then at some point we're going to maybe realize how exhausting and futile that is. And we drop our arms and release the grip on the paint cans and they tumble to the floor with, you know, this echoing clunk clunk. And then we hang our head and turn around and go, I have no idea where I'm going, except that I'm not going into more layers of identity structure and paint and ego. And that usually starts from an egoically painful place. So what if the first three years, just to make up a number of our spiritual journey, is actually still primarily egoic? And then at a certain point we realize, oh my God, that egoic thing fell off two weeks ago and I didn't, didn't really notice. It kind of like what a, a weird wart on your cheek or something just falls off and you wake up one day and go, huh, where'd that thing go? guess I don't need that anymore. But the more you're like, I'm going to club my ego on the head until it dies at the death of, argh, it's like, oh yeah, nice identity structure there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to win for sure. Yeah, yeah. Pick one of those dogs. You're, you're going to be the right dog, not the wrong dog. You, you got this nail. I'm just going to go over there across the street because I don't want to get run over by all that stuff. <laughs> So are those going to be like jokes in the in the future when we're all we're all evolved beings? We're going to be like, hey, nice nice identity structure you got there. That that would be a funny. I mean, well, actually, I've been at gatherings where, depending on the medicine that's being shared amongst the participants, that's kind of how it goes. Totally appreciating how your ego got you here, man. Totally inviting you to let that shit go. Present to either way, though. And I'm not, the, there's no value in like winning at this. Because if there is, who, who, who's the one benefiting from the winning ego stuff? <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I, I made uh, the metaphor <clears throat> um, in, in the last conversation we had about leaves and life and aging in the ocean and stuff. But at a certain point, we have to realize that all the stuff we're trying to do is coming from something that doesn't need to try. And that's like in that innate consciousness, that yuan shun that, you know, maybe I'll just fall back into trusting awareness than getting this right. So we go into the world and we look at kind of modern humanity and kind of what everyone's going through in the last, like, say, 10 years. Um, I see a lot of paint spraying going on. <laughs> well, the uh, social media part of life has not helped with the paint scraping, in my experience, not a, not, not, not much at all. 
Oh, or actually, no, maybe in a way, I think if you're really comfortable being triggered by egoic stuff, maybe social media is the best meditation teacher ever. You know, in the sense of, oh, you're still triggered by that, eh? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can speak to one thing about consciousness and modern life that is terrifying. Um, if that seems interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I refer to this as audience consciousness. And it's something I remember the first time I went on a 49 day, uh, Taoist initiation, I was 24, I think. Uh, and it's 49 days of solitude, four hours a day of Nagong practice. And, you know, you can wander around the forest for the rest of time or do martial arts or do other things. And uh, the way I, as, as a young person like everyone, you know, in, in modern life, uh, came to that was because of spray paint. You know, oh, I'm going to be a martial arts uh, person. I'm going to be a Qigong person. Oh, I'm going to be a Taoist person. Okay, I'm going to be a Taoist person who wants to become a Taoist priest. So now I'm a Taoist person going into the mountains to live as a hermit to perform the process of initiating into being a Taoist, what's called Zhushu, which is sort of like a beginning priest who doesn't need to live in a monastery. And that's sort of day one. Okay, this is me. This is my story. This is my plan. I'm going to become better in this way because this is my story and I'm going to keep writing that story. And when I was going through that process, uh, the opposite happened. And uh, I I think I've described this as... uh, I think I put a YouTube video up once years ago called Bleeding Into the Scrolls, where somewhere in that seven weeks that turned into 12 weeks, um, because it's meant to be 49 days, and I just kept going. (laughs) Um, I didn't want to come back because I was learning so much about my Qigong practice, my martial arts practice, because no one was ever going to see me do this again because I was going to stay as a hermit and I fell in love with it. I, why, why would I ever go through all of the discomfort of all of these, you know, all the paint, the spray paint stuff, right? You know, and here I was, 24 years old, fairly respected martial arts teacher. You know, that adds a lot of, I don't know, pointy things to your ego in your castle. Uh, at least it did for me. So there I was deconstructing egoic things through pretty deep guided practice, you know, traditional practice. And my response was I never want to go back because I never want my teachers to tell me that this is right or wrong. And I never want my students to get, you know, pissed off at me for changing things because of the way it makes my practice feel. And then I kind of started recognizing that there's a pretty interesting pattern to all of this. And that's where I kind of came up with this thing I call audience consciousness. So as modern Western people, we learn and experience and engage with most of the things that are important by sitting and watching. 
we sit and watch our teachers tell us what we should know to pass the test to get through that grade, that degree, that, you know, moment. So we sit and watch. We go home to watch our, our favorite movie star or our favorite cartoon character or superhero character or whatever as kids. And then that might change as we become adolescents and it might change as we become adults. But we sit and watch actors and athletes and politicians play out the meaning of the world as we sit and watch. And then we might go to a sports arena or a rock concert to some big, huge festivity of celebrating football or Pink Floyd or, you know, whatever, but we're sitting and watching. Maybe we stand up once in a while and cheer and do a wave because that's part of being the audience. So now we're interactively sitting and watching, but we're still enacting the audience consciousness. A lot of people, when they begin meditating, and I've been teaching meditation for a while, and um, that's the challenge, is we all basically are going to start our practice by sitting and watching what comes into our mind. And at a certain point, what we sit and watch and how we respond or react to what we see in meditation as the audience member of consciousness and unconsciousness playing out what the dogs are fighting over in the, any given moment of your meditation practice is getting familiar with what you're going to sit and watch. But at a certain point, consciousness is going to say, hey, you know, what if we just be the window? What if we just lean into the space of... I know the silence between the moments of the words and the thoughts and the feelings and just connect with that. But you have to, in Chinese we say yin-yang, you have to kind of lean in to awareness with a certain sacred purpose of shh, don't add. Make as much room and as much space and as much silence for the unknowable to arise trusting awareness, not knowledge, not I'm a black belt at meditation, whatever that might mean, you know, but we all start with this audience consciousness. And from a Qigong point of view, from a meditation point of view, that's, that's a tricky thing. You know, one, we need paint scrapers, one, we need less paint cans, and two, we're not conditioned to conscious presence. We're conditioned to sit and watch. And at some point, through some combination of good and bad dogs and a, maybe a bit of spiritual wrath and a bit of being pissed off at the constant noise of the ego, we lean into the spaces, we lean into the silence. And now we have that steering wheel. Now we're choosing where attention goes. And I would say if I had a working definition for the only point of meditation, it's choosing where your attention goes. And if you can do that, you're kind of like getting into the Jedi thing of, you know, the shaman thing, the monk thing, um, the wisdom thing of, I can choose what arises in consciousness and I'm not in the audience here. I am the universe coming into being as itself. What am I here as instead of what am I here for? So that I would just say that as if, if I was to, I'm no get hit on the head from a piece of the 
space station or something and suddenly cease to exist if I had one message for people it's recognize what audience consciousness is and the only resolution to that and what that gives you back as consciousness and that's why I describe it as terrifying I I don't see the terror in that <laughs> in being stuck in the audience forever disempowered waiting for the right thing to come into your mind defeated constantly by the aberrant wrong thing coming into your mind god damn it terrifying yeah i would say that's terrifyingly normal in the sense of like most people and with, through my experience, like I, I never even really knew that there was another way. But that's why it's conditioning. So when you meet people who have less conditioning, they often make suggestions about how to, you know, knock over some of the castle pieces of your conditioning. Mm -hmm. So kind of like uh, the, through what you're saying, there's like a there's like a midpoint where, I guess, where the unconscious audience. And then we're the conscious audience who are actually watching and being aware as opposed to unconsciously consuming. Yeah, and that's the scariest thing about social media is it not only says sit and watch, it says sit, watch, scroll, and have opinions. And those opinions reinforce your identity structures. So keep scrolling the things that confirm your biases about the world and you and the good and the bad and, you know, kick the bad dog and feed the good dog and you win and it's basically about the consciousness of someone around seven years old yeah so i remember a few a few weeks ago i believe you uh uh you recommended that i go on a little thought experiment where uh i scroll my phone and i become the conscious audience where i'm watching the the mental noise going into uh, my head <laughs> and uh, it was it was pretty eye-opening at first and it actually most likely started a process of not really scrolling much anymore I am so grateful that that's where this is going <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know there, I, I was spending a lot of time with my phone and uh, so I'm on basically day three of very minimal scrolling, if not like none at all, like less than 15 minutes, maybe half an hour a day. Yep. And there's definitely a profound difference in my felt sense experience of life. And yeah. well, the, I mean, it's, it's the awareness tangible. that I'm having is, is I don't know if there's like a, a chi layer to this, but like how much... Uh, energy that's actually taking up the mindless scrolling whereas before i felt like it was getting it was giving me something i was getting these low dopamine hits and and it was like uh i guess on some level it's some type of food and uh now it's i really see it as as the opposite where it's uh it's it's really taking away from my experience yeah, and I just wanted to say it's tangible, brother. It's it's pretty interesting to see. Well, we've known each other for about a year and a half, I guess, but 
it's it's just I just you know as consciousness for consciousness as consciousness seeking uh, to bring that into the world and the people that I meet any way I can without knowing what any of that probably means in some knowing way. I'm just really excited to see you becoming more you without adding anything to you. I'm excited for that too. Yeah. So and, good and good job with to, that pain scraper. <laughs> that comes to a bunch of conversations that we had and, and uh, they the always ended with, you don't need to add anything. And me as like the student pulling his hair out, like, ah, oh, what does he mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm only in about 10 years. That's going to be your problem as you teach other people how to do that. Ha ha ha. But yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to be able to go through all these experiences. And, and uh, I would say the first year and a bit of this Qigong journey has been, it's been tough. And uh, there's probably been, I feel like I've gone through a lot of like the things the hard way. Uh, I don't think there's another way for people to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I think there is. Um, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just like, it seems like I'm having all of the different experiences that one would have going through something like this. But I, I guess it never stops everyone's... and there's no finish line. But I can echo what you're what you're saying is is definitely what I'm feeling where there's more presence, there's more groundedness, uh, there's less reacting and conditioned responses. And dare I say it, there's more of me actually choosing what, what my consciousness does. Yeah, and that's inya. That's learning to be present, but to kind of lean a little bit or if there was a steering wheel to steer a little bit towards certain things um and in a way away from things but not because of attachment or aversion but because of skillfulness of experience of of you know once bitten twice shy or whatever you know funny thing reminds us that um all, all sentient beings move away from injury and pain. You know, from crayfish to even bacteria. I mean, bacteria run away from antibiotics, so... <laughs> you know, so I'm just saying, like, you know, when we embrace that, that assertion, that volition of will and willingness is the one thing that we actually still need as beings. It just doesn't have to be attached to an identity structure, an ego structure, a magical outcome in some imagined future that makes things better on some scale of consciousness, you know, enlightenment and, and all of that stuff. Um, and then we're just, you know, it's like walking down a windy street, you know, all you have to do is lean into the wind a little bit and you're not going to get blown over. You know, so we have to we have to interact with the the challenging parts. We just don't need to control them. And one 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 thing I often say is yes and. You know, yes, this is beautiful, and yes, this is really crappy, and <laughs> and as long as I can keep that and dot dot dot, then I can always lean in in whatever way 
without knowing what's going to happen um, in a direction that you might call focus, you might call discernment. But so it doesn't have a point. So that concept of like impermanence, right? Yeah. Like there's nothing, we're just flowing. Yeah, you know. But I mean, I guess I want to say it again. That it, it doesn't have to have a point. You know, it's just skillful. It's just consciousness being conscious to discernment. And, you know, you can zig or you can zag. And over time, one or the other is going to give you more space, more room, more awareness, you know, less spray paint. More peace. Now, that usually happens too, yeah. And more compassion and more patience and um, I guess the, doing the work I do in the world, uh, compassion and patience turn out to be really important. You know, empathize, empathizing with people and I don't know, can I, can I share a bit of a visceral story? For sure. So this morning I was um, counseling a person in the... Um, I've known this person for years in a different context, but part of her family is First Nations. Um, uh, I don't think I need to explain any more about that. And one of her relatives committed suicide recently. Oh, no. Which happens startlingly more often with First Nations people in, well, the Western world because of, well, history and trauma and reservations and residential schools and everything that's been going on and I'm not going to get into the politics of that but uh, speaking to this person about how to come to terms or come to peace with the fact that this person she loved dearly uh, a young woman you know I think she was in her early 20s when she chose to take her life recently um, the only thing you can do is empathize with what that moment was like for that person when they chose to make that choice you're not going to get it, but you can empathize with what that would be like for any person. And after about a 90-minute conversation, or close to that, I think, that process kind of came into being where the person I was speaking to could actually empathize with all of the different things that pushed that young woman into that decision and that choice and that ending. But if it's all about you and your spray paint, you know, say if you were a part of that family, all you're going to feel is rage and sadness and resentment and unfairness and blame and guilt and all of the things that are trying to get it right. When it obviously went so, so wrong. And that's the audience consciousness. If I can just make this sound good, look good, makes sense, I win, grr. Instead of, wow, what would it be like to be that person going through all of those things up until the crescendo of all of those tormenting, insidious things, taking her beyond her capacity to be with those things, and she chose to exit. But if we can empathize, and I don't mean tell a story in our head, I mean feel the visceral, seething, multi-dimensions of agony that people feel sometimes in life, now, now you're not in the audience anymore.
yeah through the uh through the awareness i guess comes compassion yep yeah if yeah, I think I said this a lot in the last podcast, but if the most important things are felt, that might be the best place to start with anything that's really hard. What, 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 what did that person feel? That's what empathy is, is to feel what they feel. Funny, the word passion doesn't really mean what we think it means. It really means agony and suffering. You know, if you go back in Latin and all these other words, like the word compassion means to suffer with someone. The passion of the Christ wasn't about woohoo. <laughs> right, so, yeah, okay. It was being nailed to a cross and then being stabbed in the liver. So, you know, just not your average day. Unless you're Jesus. Well, we all kind of are, you know. Otherwise, what would, I mean, if we weren't somewhat Christ-like as whatever that means, I don't even really know. I'm conditionally maybe part Taoist or something, but um, for some reason, I'm thinking of like Star Wars or Star Trek where there's Klingons and, you know, you know, we're all warriors, we fight, we're going to crush the bad guy. <clears throat> if humanity in its nature was inherently that, brutal we wouldn't have the world we have i mean it's it's my contention or my thesis that 95 percent of human beings are pretty damn amazing and patient and loving and cooperative and collaborative and willing to to move towards some kind of better world otherwise we would there'd be 17 humans left and we would all be standing on a pile of skulls screaming in some terrifying way to make everyone run away you know, we're inherently good. Yeah, and there seems to be quite a disconnect because it's like, as I go out in the world and my experience of meeting people and talking to them and having conversations, I meet good people. And I'm, I'm sure, Mike, you have a similar experience. What I was going to say is then when we get into kind of like, uh, I guess what we see on TV and what we see through our phones, like, like I, I don't meet the same level of, uh, of like kind, cool, caring people. Like there's, there's a lot more outrage and a lot more of, um, I guess it might just be social media, but there just seems to be more divisiveness. Well, it's easier to be a jerk when there's no consequences than, you know, when you're standing next to someone in a lineup for a cup of tea. <laughs> there's a, I think it's called a meme. It was, a the boxer Mike Tyson had a quote going, you know, the internet isn't working out because a lot of people are getting away with a lot of stuff that would get them punched in the face. <laughs> so I'm like, Definitely. yeah. And there's a Jonathan Haidt who, uh, he's a really powerful author. And I think he wrote, he wrote a book called the dumbing down of North America or something like that, or the dumbing down of America and something And that his whole thesis on that is social media is making us superficial, reactive, pretentious, you know, mindless, opinionated, you know, flicking, you know, pain at other people just because we think it's funny. And that's not helping us interact with each other. It's not helping us raise healthy kids. It's not helping our kids develop conscious communication and boundaries and, and respect or anything. We're all just walking around. Oh, you just cancel you then. I'll just cancel you then. 
Yeah, and I think a big part of that is you don't get to see the response. Like, if you were to say some of those words that you see on, we'll say Twitter, and if that person was to actually go and say that to another person, well, you would see that person's response to what you said. Yeah, and they might punch you in the face. <laughs> or they might go home and take a knife and cut their thigh relentlessly until the chemistry of their brain settles down from the agony of being judged in that way. So, no consequences, we're all psychopaths. We can be cruel and not notice how cruel we are. So like, where do you, where do you see us going with all this? Like, yeah, let's, like definitely right now there's tools that have been invented for connection and communication that are being misused and Maybe you're creating a bunch of divisiveness and turning us into 14-year-old or 7-year-old narcissists. Um, is this one of those things where it's like it's going to get worse before it gets better? Or it's going to hurt more before it starts to heal? I, th I think in a way... Um... I don't know, I used to be an engineer and in engineering, the thing you're always up against is friction. Friction wears parts down, friction develops heat, you have to dissipate the heat. So, you know, any kind of machine has to deal with friction. So, you know, humans aren't machines, but we adapt to our discomforts and we adapt to our mistakes. And I think as, and maybe I'm just being blissfully hopeful and blithely unaware, but <laughs> um, I'm, I'll accept whatever truth there is. Uh, I think this is going to bring up a, a, an increased rate of consequences and unconsciousness and disconnection and reconnection and understanding because of all the friction. And, you know, I'm calling friction like the consequences of all the unconscious behavior that gets crapped all over the world with, you know, the internet and social media in that way. At some point, and I, I have profound hope in, in the youth of today, um, I talk to my son about stuff like this and I'm very grateful for, you know, him being the kind of unexpectedly still and wise and calm and curious and patient man that he's becoming because uh, his reflection on these things is not what I would have expected I mean he's cons consistently saying things that encourage me to recognize that his generation gets both sides of this they get how relatively sociopathic just cancel culture really is on both sides of it and they're also kind of reveling in it and they're also kind of weeping at the fact no one has an answer to it and they're also kind of learning to stand up and take responsibility on where they might need to lean into as they grow and learn and become maybe more guarded or less affected or less engaged or more consciously engaged in, in these um, apps or you know whatever they're called you know all the different kind of social media stuff and it gives it gives me hope and i thought no i'm not sure what percentage of my patients are teenagers not a not a huge amount but when i get into the kind of conversations i typically get into with people who are coming to talk to me about the stuff i work with i'm always 
profoundly like affected and encouraged and and surprised by the the truth these people are consciousness they are awareness they are the the sentience of the universe as human beings working this out and and they're not just stupid kids whatever you know makes people say stuff like that they they get what they're getting and they're growing in the soil of this friction they they are going to show us better choices um in the next 10 years through the attrition of pain just saying this good this bad you know no more of this too much of that that's not consciousness that's control and control is not control doesn't have trust so it can't have real awareness so we'll leave it in the hands of the children well i mean we can leave it in the hands of the children and and you know think of uh the lord of the flies paradigm where we can interact with children we can ask questions and uh, share reflections that are not judgments uh, of our experience of this and ask them about their experience of this and where they 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 see things going and and you know who who knows what a 14 year old today will do in 20 years or 10 years in a garage you know reinventing the social media wheel or mousetrap and 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 come up with uh, another paradigm another uh, approach to this you know scrolling interaction of instant opinions and stuff that might hack a whole different part of who we are because we're inherently good or else we'd be standing on mountains of skulls yelling at each other without making any sense i could also yeah dream up futures of abysmal terror of what could go wrong but I, I i choose the what if we're not completely sociopathic evil <laughs> little monsters you know what if we need both dogs to get where we're going yeah and i can share something similar with uh i've, I've had i haven't had too much interaction with uh teens and but i did chat with uh with a kid his name's james he's he's young He's like 12 years old and uh, he was the kid I was telling you about where he noticed that I was feeling kind of anxious one day and he gave me his teddy bear and he's like, hey, every time that you feel kind of anxious, just, just hold on to him and it'll make it all better. <laughs> and, and it did. <laughs> and uh, so when I when I see the kids and I see uh, some of this younger generation growing up, like he's, I think he's 12 years old, he's already figured out how to make money on the internet doing like rap battles or something. <laughs> And, and so, um, yeah, I do, I do have an optimistic, uh, outlook as well. And, uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully conversations like this help as well. We can lean in, we can grab the steering wheel. We're just not in control. Seems like a good place to, to call it. Anything else you want to say, Mike? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just here delightfully playfully going i wonder what he's going to ask me today it's so fun to do a mystery podcast when i have no idea what we're going to do <laughs> yeah so uh, just just speaking of that that heyoka thing the the sacred clown um so yeah because like there's something that's really impactful of of something that's in uh in the audio form as opposed to reading it because even when you were doing your um when we did that uh 
the trauma, the therapeutic Qigong webinar, the first one, uh, I was in tears. And when you were going through the five wounds, and like I read those and I did the work and I, I did my notes, but when we were in the group and we were actually having the discussion with audio, there was there was a, a way deeper level, which is kind of starting to shift my perspective of how impactful words are as opposed to the audio format. I think the audio format might be, dare I say it, the most powerful because um, that really it was it was hitting home and even though I read the words but when they were spoken it was felt and the most important experience in life are felt there we go cool <laughs> definitely cool hey Mike thanks for meeting with me today and uh, having this conversation of bringing unconsciousness into consciousness this is definitely one that I'm gonna have to you know sit back and listen to again I think me too. Uh, that was a lot of unexpected things that flowed back and forth. So that was a, a really powerful experience for me too. So if any of our loyal listeners are want to get a hold of you, is there a specific website or uh, social media or anything where they can get a hold of you? Um, well, if you're wanting to find out more about uh, Qigong and Taoist practice, there's uh, somadaoqigong.com, S-O-M-A-D-A-O-Q-I-G-O-N-G.com, or you can find the Somadao Qigong uh, on Facebook, and I think that's the only place I have the social media stuff, and from a clinic point of view of uh, my focus is uh, autoimmune disease, trauma, and addiction as a doctor. And uh, that website is allthingsautoimmunity.com. But you can track me down either way because uh, you can email me through either website. Um, and I think there's, through the, the podcast website, I think there's uh, connection um, links as well. So, So if you look in the show notes, there should be things to Click, click on for the the webinar on trauma addiction and qigong and breath work the webinar that we were talking about today and then i'll put links to a couple of the those contact websites and the social media stuff awesome thanks again mike very welcome thank you robbie that was a pretty fun couple hours to experience together yeah i look forward to the next one did you have any uh, thoughts or ideas of what we should do about our next? Well, I have a pretty long list of things I feel that I, um, I guess as a representative of a certain tradition should talk about, you know, but that's a pretty long list and there's no hurry. It's ancient stuff. It's not like it's going to suddenly <laughs> become something else. So, um, yeah, so the next time we do this, we can either pick something old or pick something mysterious and unknowable and totally up to you. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Mike. This is episode eight of Primordial Dao, Present Dao, bringing unconscious into consciousness. Thank you for exploring and enjoying Primordial Dao, Present Dao. 
we look forward to sharing more in the next episode.